I am Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amory Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson without works. In today's episode, we take a look into a difficult task undertaken by an ordinary man in cannon fodder, and Lemuel will issue a progress report in stand-up and testify. First up today, we are going to talk about a piece of media expanded into thoughts and action. Uh, last night, you and I went to the Berkeley Rep Theater, where we saw a play entitled Remember This. I think it's called The Story of Jan Karski. The Lesson of Jan Karski. The Lesson, the yeah. Lesson of Jan Karski. But it's mostly called Remember This. Right. And it is a one-man performance, which we were lucky enough to see with the Academy Award nominee, David Strathairn. He was like 17 feet from us. It was pretty rad. And uh, this was a story that you and I did not know right. before. I was completely unfamiliar with this actual historical person. This person. So he plays um, both a narrator and... Jan Karski himself, as well as multiple other characterizations during the show. Mm-hmm. And Jan Karski was a Polish resistance fighter and diplomat during World War II. Uh, he's a Catholic-born, relatively poor growing up, uh, Polish man, mm-hmm. who was... Uh, I don't know if he was drafted into the army to fight for the Poles um, against Germany um, or if he volunteered, uh, but he did go fight for Poland. Um, the His defeat came in the town of Auschwitz uh, before it became the place that we now know it uh, during a 20-minute blitzkrieg wherein Poland basically lost the war very, very quickly because of a brutal assault by the Germans and then was taken over by Russia and Germany. And at that point, he went to a work camp, lied his way out of it, and that saved his life when 22,000 other people in that camp ended up being exterminated. Mm. Uh, and he became a member of the Polish underground. And his entire act during the war was to bear witness. It was to see the atrocities being perpetrated, specifically against the Jewish population, but really against everyone who Mm -hmm. wasn't a Nazi, uh, and to report what he saw to people in charge so that they understood the depth and breadth of what happened. And of course, he met with uh, even the president. He, He was the person who told Franklin Roosevelt about the death camps and what was happening and the numbers to whom it was happening He also told one of the Supreme Court justices, who flat out refused to believe him. Uh, Roosevelt, to his face, at least he says, didn't disbelieve what he said. 
but he certainly he several years later said uh, I didn't know he didn't it was react as bad. To, her, to it at all. He didn't ask any questions about what was happening to Jewish population. No. He began asking questions uh, according to Karski's account about uh horses issues <laughs> with the agricultural society losing its horses and uh, you know this Well, it's also it's not just losing it, it's where Germany was getting right. the okay. machines of war that it was using, and in this case, horses it w- was largely a thing. So it was a it was a a military tactics conversation rather than a human atrocities conversation. He was uh, disallowed from speaking to Churchill mm. uh, about what he had seen. Uh, he had been taken by Jewish leaders into both the ghettos where there were naked bodies stacked up because they said to bury, you have to pay a tax. And they didn't have any money. So they were just discarding the bodies of their dead loved ones. And then uh, he saw one of the death camps, he doesn't name which one, in the play. Um, and how his brain, like, when when he started looking and seeing what was happening while, while dressed as a Ukrainian soldier, his body, like, his mind couldn't fathom that this mass of humanity was humanity. Like, he's like, these aren't people, because people don't, for people don't treat other people like this. Like, it's, and, and within this, 4,000, this group of 4,000 people that was just like limbs and desperation behind their eyes. He just, he couldn't recognize humanity, but the longer he sat there and looked at it and was being told by the people he was with to remember what he was seeing, because he has a photographic memory, what a gift, um, that that sort of switched in his brain. And then he, when he understood it was humanity that he's looking at, he had to leave. He couldn't, mm. he couldn't bear it anymore. Um, but he did, he ended up coming to the United States in 1943 and was never able to return to Poland. Um, his legacy is still complicated in Poland because Poland Poland's reckoning with their role and uh, situation in World War II mirrors somewhat that of the United States reckoning um, and uh, ability to discuss their role in chattel slavery in the in the eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. here, and the further you know right. uh, destruction of the black community up until today uh, we we don't talk about it so we don't the, the, there are no heroes in that struggle like those people often get maligned um, and that is the case um, with uh, Mr. Karski uh, so he came here in 1943 ended up getting his doctorate at Georgetown and then taught for 40 years on the Georgetown um, campus 35 of those years, he did not speak of the Holocaust. Um, And then a filmmaker came to him 
and asked him questions. And at that point, he realized that he still owed it to the people of Poland, to Poland itself, and to the people who were lost, uh, including his wife's entire family. Yes, and over 200 of her relatives, from what I remember. Uh, 72. It was seven, I think it was 72. Um, yeah, no, everybody in her family was murdered. So at least once a semester, he taught a course at Georgetown detailing his personal recollections of what he saw during World War II. Um, and through those classes, like thousands of students in the and he taught political like international relations political politics uh, so thousands of students who've gone through georgetown got firsthand information about the atrocities that happened during the holocaust we are we are i think we're not in the midst of a, another round of holocaust denials but mm -hmm. we are in the midst of a ra rise in anti-semitism right now in the world Holocaust denial comes back around every 20 years or so. It's cyclical. It is. Mm. And it's uh, pretty wild. Uh, so we learned about him. Neither, neither of us are Holocaust deniers. Mm. Uh, I learned about the Holocaust um, in high school. I think is when we read uh, Eli Weissel's uh, Night. Uh, and... I never even understood the idea of a Holocaust denial. I'm like, no, 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 what? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm. It might be comforting to believe that this didn't happen, but I've met humans, and I 100% believe that this happened. Uh, but uh, after the performance, which um, continues through mid-December here in Berkeley, and then they are traveling to Poland, actually, to do a tour in Poland in his home country. Uh, his hometown, the, as a matter of in, in, Yeah, even yeah. his hometown um, next year, early next year. But the other thing that's going to happen is they're going to release this play in film. In a It's a filmed version of this play in theaters and um, on PBS Great Performances. So right. we do urge that when that happens... Um, you seek it out. When we see it, we'll go ahead and put it in our show notes, and we'll share that on social media. Uh, it's a it's a marvelous performance uh, by Strathairn, and it is mesmerizing to watch. Uh, and it is it is as important today as it you know he they've been working on this piece since 2014, mm -hmm. and. There is power to bearing witness. There is power to taking, actually looking at injustice or violence and then speaking about it, speaking against it, telling people who aren't seeing it that it is there. Um, and telling other people's stories in an empathetic way that isn't centering the viewer, which is difficult, especially in our society. Uh, and these are all lessons that are uh, life in the story uh, of this play and of this man. 
And uh, he was a, a practicing Catholic until his death uh, in 1995, five years before his death. Uh, he thought that he had done enough good in the world that he would go to heaven, which for a 80-year-old Catholic is saying some things because Catholics pepper everything with, you know, ways to trip that up and, and did not get in. So uh, I presume he was still going to Mass and saying his confessions all the way up until his death. Even seeing what people could do to people. And, you know, the Nazis didn't take it easy on Catholics either. No, there were other also groups, both Christian groups and uh, Christian-affiliated groups also that were in the camps. Um, yes. Including groups like Jehovah's Witnesses, apparently, which I did not know if they were Interesting. in camp in mass. I don't know how, how large of a presence they right. were, but... That's the thing about Nazis. Anything that's not a Nazi <laughs> right. has um, to go. That's I'm really very I'm really very glad. I, that's a strange word no, to that's, say, yeah. use in this context. <laughs> right. You invited me to this performance. Um and I I didn't do any research on it ahead of time. No. I know when we were walking in, I was like, oh, I forgot tissues. Right. And that's and you're I, like, what do you mean? And I was like, you don't know what we're going to watch. <laughs> okay, right. well, let it, me prepare you. We are going to be seeing some stuff about the Holocaust. So, it Also, I grew up in a home where it was never denied, ever. Good. Uh, as uh, troublesome as growing up with fundamentalists are, there's one thing that they'll never deny, and that is the, the story. Of the Jewish people and what they suffered, and, and um, this was—it was hard to take at times, particularly when you're hearing stories about these friends that he had, who he was. His friends, he helped them in um, Polish history, and they helped him in math. In math, yes, he had a bunch of Jewish friends, and how he was led into these sort of. Respectful relationships by his mother, who was also a very devout Catholic. Yes. And um, the, the after the uh, performance was done, and David Strather did a really interesting thing. He was uh, almost an alchemist. The way he would slip in and out of this accent and these these roles, right? Um. And apparently Karski didn't really want to discuss his experience or the part that he played in trying to convince the world in 1943 about uh, the danger that was happening to the Jewish people in particular. You know, um, the phrase that he uses, the Jewish problem, which comes across as Kind of like a thing you, that they right, are, are have until done you realize that. we're also speaking across languages. Several of them. That's true. And, <laughs> There's and a very so, funny line right at the beginning right. that says, "When you're raised in Poland, you learn a lot of languages because you never know who's going to right. feed you." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, and you love Poland? That's right." <laughs> but the, the after the discussion afterwards, when Strather and, and the the writer and one of the producers of the play is speaking, 
to the audience and answering questions. There was one person in the audience who asked if they felt that, based on the extensive reading they did too, because this is, these are mostly his words put together from a variety of documents uh, and lectures and speeches. And, they, they and wanted, the play Shoah, right. or the, 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 the movie Shoah. Shoah, which was his testimony, which he, he had some issues with. Yeah, but well. that's it. That's an eight a nine, nine hour film. It's a nine and a half hour film, nearly. Because the 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 filmmaker right. and he makes that 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 is a joke in the play as well. He says, "I am going to make the greatest film about the Holocaust, and it's going to be as long as it needs to be to tell the story." And frankly, having seen it, it is. But oh, have you seen it? Yeah, the effect in of pieces, it right? You didn't sit for nine it. hours. I don't think. Um, I don't think it's a, it's. It would be healthy to sit and watch the entire thing. And I know that sounds ridiculous compared to people who've actually suffered through it. However, it, it, the, the burden of bearing witness is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was... When it asked if they felt, based on their research, that he had uh, at any point abandoned his faith, the writer of the play said yeah. something really interesting. He's like, I don't think he ever lost his faith he never, he's obviously lost his faith in people at times. Yes. Never lost his faith in God. Yeah. And so, that's a feeling I can sympathize with a great deal. Sure. Is that there are times when I just completely lose my ability to believe the best of other human beings. Especially en masse. Right. Acting together, they follow the decisions that are laid down for them and they just follow them blindly because a great many people don't want to think for themselves. But this performance reflecting this story that I really needed to hear um, brought out a person who saw something going wrong and did something about it. Yeah. Even if all he did was Mm -hmm. see it, remember it, and report it. Right. Uh, he talks about how he just tried to turn himself into a camera so yeah. that he could keep it together. Just your job is to remember. It's not, it's, not, it's not about you and your feelings about what's happening right now, which is extremely hard to come to terms with. Well, the fact that he didn't discuss it for so many years for decades, he, he didn't bring it up until apparently... Not even of, with his wife, right. apparently. He did uh, bring it up when he was asked about the documentary uh, film that he was participating in. And the, the, fil- the, pl- the presentation starts with a clip of the actual performer, which is why I said that uh, Street Thrones performance is kind of an alchemy, because you're watching an actor that's very recognizable. Yes. With a very recognizable face and posture and bearing, and you've seen him all sorts of places. And he's an American. Right. Like, David Strathairn almost, I almost never see him with any kind of an accent. Right. He plays Americans. And and as we pointed out uh, this morning when we were discussing the part, he's also 73 years old. He's 73 years old. And he throws himself into this part with his amazing physicality, but... I am 42 and I can't kneel on a stage. There's right. no oh, way. The stage is very spare. <laughs> There's a table and two chairs. Yep. And he 
uses this table. He vaults off of it at one point. He vaults off of it. There's falls. There's right. he's, he's thro- he throws himself to the ground multiple times. Right. There's a beating scene where he is taking what look like body blows. Like right. it's it's an ex- and it's a ninety minute performance with no intermission. Right. Exactly. So this is it's amazing to watch him do it, but. The fact that he's able, we're able to start with a clip of the actual man, yeah, and then he speaking in his normal or his his, his regular American regular accent, voice, yeah. He slips into it, and at times he slips into FDR, and he slips into mm-hmm. um, he slips into the um, Harsky's impersonation of FDR, which I thought was yes, really which quite interesting. Good, which we, I played, there There's um, there are clips from Shoah mm-hmm. uh, on the internet, so you can watch his, him talk about meeting FDR. They pulled a lot of the actual text in the play from his, his speeches and his writings and his performances in these documentaries and interviews verbatim in a lot of cases. Um, So, and he's got a very specific speaking style. Right. That if, I think you almost need that little introduction Yes, you do. Because, because not, otherwise you're like, what is what happening yeah. with his voice right now? Because he does, he has these high inflections regularly peppered through his speech in a way that feels like it could be a put-on, but it is, in fact, how this man spoke. Um, and there are, you know, uh, if you look up this play, you can see there are people who are like, that you are, you are Jan. Like, I I see him in this performance um, from his former students, his friends. Of which the, there are many, apparently. Yeah. He was at, uh, what is it, Georgetown? He was in Georgetown for 40 years. Yes. So there was a lot of people who were able to see him, and there were even people who had been to Georgetown in the audience. Yes. That night. Here, yes. Right. And, yeah, on this coast. So it had a profound effect. I... Uh, I like the fact that something that wasn't covered much is uh, last night is that he's uh, um, included as uh, one of the Polish members of the Righteous Among Nations. Oh, I don't know what that is. They've been recognized by the Yad Vash, Yad Yadi Vashem. Excuse me. Let me try again. Again, I'll start again. Uh, by the Yad Vashem of Jerusalem. Okay. As like that sounds like Hebrew. <laughs> right. Uh, as one of the non-Jews who saved Jews, and he's in the uh, like a Schindler. Right. Okay. Because Schindler was non-Jewish as well. Right. That's how he was, he was also able to Catholic. Uh, but, um, okay. Probably a little less devout than Mr. Karski, given his proclivities, but. At the same time, uh, he followed the example of, I guess, Noah in the Bible, mm-hmm. who, being told the flood is coming, just tries to tell everybody. Right. Uh, Even though that was not what he was instructed to do. Well, he did. I mean, he was trying to warn everyone and that they didn't see it until it was too late. At least that's the way the story goes. He is a good nominee, I think. 
for this particular category. Yes, the idea absolutely. That, that his way of there's no he didn't see any difference between a uh, a Jew and a Christian to his mind. As a matter of fact, he addressed himself as a Jewish Christian or later in life. Yeah, he said, "I am a Jew. I just happen to also be Christian." Right. And so he, it, it was more a matter of being able to act towards somebody else with the compassion that he was raised, he was indoctrinated to believe. And mm-hmm. so it's, it is, it's always good to see someone who has put their faith absolutely into practice this way. Yes, and I will also say that there is a parallel drawn for American audiences by this play, I think, immediately. When you get when you get into the theater, what you see on the stage is a jacket over a sweater right. on the back of a chair and a pair of shoes. It's real Mr. Rogers right away. Right. And um, Strathairn comes out in uh, stocking feet as himself, mm-hmm. um, and then he puts on the character of Jan Karski, and then he takes it off at the end of right. the play. Um, to the extent to where it was actually when he dropped back into his regular voice, it was surprising. He, he dropped. Into, <laughs> right. He he pulled down his suspenders, uh-huh. and he was in shirt sleeves, and and um, they had taken off the jacket, had right. kicked off the shoes, and. Yeah, and then he was David Strathairn again, or right. the actor. Right. What? What? He wasn't ever introduced as David Strathairn. He, but the American actor right. portraying this performance. Um, yeah, he he dropped those uh, the suspenders down, and his voice changed instantly. And it was like maybe mid word. It was <laughs> it was incredible to see, but there were. Not maybe in his demeanor or the way that he carried himself, but in his viewpoint, there were real Mr. Rogers vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I think that the playwrights and the stagers mm-hmm. uh, are pushing that it's, with the way yeah, that it is I staged. It's one of those uh, instances where there is a a routine that Fred Rogers used to go through that was so recognizable to anybody who grew up watching them that, yes, the minute you see those things on stage, you immediately make that association. Yeah. And it's a fair association in this case. Yes. Um, I think it was, I think it was deliberate. Well, of course it was deliberate. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think you can, uh, to get away with not being deliberate with that. Yeah, because I think that the playwrights are about my age. Right. Um, between my age and your age, maybe. Um, the the one in the middle looked a little bit younger in his face, but yeah. his hairline was confusing. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so that. And then um, the other playwright said that he got to Georgetown to start teaching as a professor in like 2004, 2005. So he's probably about three years older than I am. Mm. So, because I would have been 24, 25 then, and I don't know that you get your doctorate that quick. I mean, it depends, but yeah. Okay, so that's Jan Karski. We nominate him. We nominate him for sainthood. For sainthood, which he may actually... 
he was Catholic. Right. Has it been... And he's already among the righteous, at least he's considered that way by the Jews of Poland. So, catch up Catholics. Yeah, and it is... um, There are people who have legitimately proposed him for sainthood. So, including diocese, like actual people who may have a say in it. So maybe wow. maybe we're uh, on the right track. And we will follow up as, uh, remember, this becomes right. we want it, uh, more available to I more people. would like everyone to see it. Yeah, I think it's very good. Okay. And they're doing, they're doing um, targeting uh, students, both right. high school and college students, with their tours. Which is important, I think. Right. So, uh, and that was another thing they said. They think that the younger generations in Poland are going to be more open and accepting of hearing him and sort of bring him back into the fold right. than older um, Poles, which I think I is is anag- analogous to younger people in the United States being able to actually talk about racism and white supremacy in a way that is. Uh, authentic and open. I remember uh, Louis Mal when he made the film, the film director, when he did, uh, I believe it was Au Revoir, Les Enfants, about, um, which my French is terrible, but it was Yeah, we're about, sorry about this, everyone. <laughs> um, Jews being taken captive in France and turned over um, to the Nazis. Or, but he... He got into trouble for bringing this up 40 years, 50 years later. You know, it's, there, we still have people protesting uh, the teaching of what European Americans did to native indigenous people. Yeah. We still have people who are upset over what, or being their children, the children again of colonizers being informed about what happened to the indigenous people of Australia. Yep. And so this, we're not going to change anything if we try to bury that past. Yep, nope. And it it's not about making happening. you feel bad. You no, didn't do it. it's not about it. making you feel bad. It's, it's about uh, Leopold of Austria and what he did in the Belgian Congo. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that nothing that horrific could happen again, and then it did. During the Holocaust, another time that it happened, and it happens again in other parts of the world. It and it's happening right yeah. now in China with yes. the Uyghurs, and it's happening right now in Iran with women. It's not. It's it's we're not done. We haven't fixed it, uh, and we won't until we learn the history. Because you can't learn from mistakes that you didn't know happened. As I was uh, going to mention, the Khmer Rouge. Mm -hmm. And um, having worked with children whose parents had lived through this. Yeah. And you can't stop it from happening by pretending it didn't happen because then it just happens again. His name is John Karski. We nominate him for Saint John Karski. John, I'm sorry. John. (laughs) We nominate him for sainthood. We nominate him for sainthood. 
This is a segment where we tell a personal story about something that we are grateful for. I said I wasn't gonna testify, but I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. Oh, I could keep it to myself. I said I wasn't gonna testify, but I could keep it to myself. What the Lord has done for me. So, a few episodes ago, we talked about my health issues. Last year, I discovered that. The almost staggering pain in my back, it was literally staggering actually, uh, was not a pulled muscle, but an unusual, frankly rare case of coccidiomycosis. You did, it wasn't even last year, it was within this year mm. we found this it out. It had eaten through the discs in both my upper and lower back, uh, between my vertebrae, and that pain was the grinding of my vertebrae against each other. Yay! Uh, after months of misdiagnosis, I was able to get the care I needed, a 10-hour surgery and a very long recovery. There have been other problems, most recently a compensatory frozen shoulder injury, but I'm getting the care that I need from doctors who seem to be invested with restoring me to health. I realize that there are months of hard work ahead uh, and some sacrifices. I'm a martial artist, and I have been for most of my life, I was meaning to work towards my black belt in Tomiki Aikido, but those plans have been jeopardized by the extent of the injuries. Uh, hiking, camping, and several other activities I enjoyed are also jeopardized, but I will build myself up slowly. As I look through the long and painful recovery, I am comforted by a Bible verse from the book of Isaiah. He was quoted by Jesus more often than any of the other Old Testament scriptures, so I put value in his beautifully crafted sentences. Oh. Isaiah forty thirty one reads, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, to those who listen, thank you very much for the prayers and the well thoughts. And I hold on to that and into this. I will be patient. I will endure. I will be lifted up. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend. We have an internet home without WorksPodcast.com. Our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there. You can find us on Twitter at WithoutWorksPod. For now, we know Twitter is uh, burning down, but for now, that's still true. Facebook at with, um, by searching Without Works Podcast in the search bar. And you can get us by email at withoutworkspod at gmail.com. If you go over to the website, though, those are all handy links. You don't have to remember anything I just said. I've been Amity. He's been Lemuel. And we urge you to go out and do something good. Yeah!